Good evening. This evening finds me with torch in hand now instead of back there, but I'll be back there shortly. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb. A special welcome to any guests or visitors joining us on this, our third midweek Advent service. As we continue contemplating Christ in the Old Testament, this week, of course, the focus is the word of Yahweh, as it is seen there in your service bulletin. And so we'll see then how the word of Yahweh is distinct from Yahweh, and at the same time is Yahweh, of course, as we see Jesus in the Old Testament in our readings tonight from Jeremiah 1 and also from Revelation 19. The service is evening prayers. It begins on page 243, and we will begin with the procession of light momentarily. The first reading is from Jeremiah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. The word of the Lord came to me a second time, saying, What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, Out of the north disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord, and they shall come, and everyone shall see his throne at the entrance shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls, all around, and against all the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil in forsaking me. For they have made offerings to other gods and worshiped the works of their own hands. But you, dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. O Lord, have mercy on us. The second reading is from Revelation chapter 19. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. 
Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. O Lord, have mercy on us. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As children, we all heard fairy tales of princes and kings rescuing fair maidens from the forces of evil. In fact, for many of us, those stories were brought to life on screen by Hollywood Studios. Whether it be Disney, Paramount, Universal, or MGM, pick your studio. Millions of people have thronged to theaters over many decades to catch a glimpse of epic tales of good versus evil. Good defeating evil. And the king and his fair maiden getting married happily ever after. And listening to or watching such stories, we always knew they were too good to be true. After all, there are not many happily ever afters in this fallen and sin-corrupted world. But that was part of the attraction, wasn't it? Alas, all good things must come to an end. In the last decade or two, Hollywood has changed its tune on such classic fairy tales and has realized that injecting cynicism, irreverent humor, feminism and wokeism into those much-beloved tales of our childhood, well, it's had the ability for them to, at least for a short time, make even more money than before. But even now, such attempts are falling flat, and so are the ticket sales. So what gives? Is this another case of people just being fickle and hard to satisfy? Another case of, we played the flute for you and you did not dance, we sang a dirge and you did not mourn? Or could it be that people can see something's off? Could it be that the old tales of good versus evil, of good overcoming evil, a king rescuing his fair love, and the celebration of a life filled with never-ending bliss still somehow rings true to people, even in the all-too-jaded year of 2023? Well, dear saints, the fact is, mere living in the midst of an epic war of good versus evil. There is such a thing as a supremely good king astride a white horse who will, when all hope seems lost, suddenly ride in with his two-edged sword and rescue his beautiful bride from the satanic serpent-like dragon. The forces of evil will once and for all be vanquished by this mighty king of kings and lord of lords. And when the warfare and judgment are complete, the king will go to the wedding feast with his bride, the church, and they will live happily ever after. Only in this case, it's not too good to be true. This is reality, and you are living it. In fact, dear church, you are the ones who have been rescued by Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And in this season of Advent, we await his imminent return. Hear what St. John writes in Revelation 19. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses." From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. 
He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Folks, this is Jesus. <laughs> this is the word of God made flesh who dwelt among us and who will return in glory on the last day to cast down Satan, his evil angels, and all who allied themselves with the old evil foe. And here's the kicker. It won't even be much of a fight. Why? Because Jesus has already crushed the serpent's head on the cross and overcome death by his empty tomb. As you continue reading through Revelation, it describes the forces of evil ready for a battle with Jesus and his holy army. And then with seemingly no struggle, Satan and his antichrist are captured and thrown alive into the lake of fire. After this, the whole of the devil's forces are cut down by the two-edged sword of the word of God. So it will be on the day of judgment. Those who opposed Christ will be cut down by his word of condemnation, and those who trusted in Christ and called on him in repentant faith will go into the joy of their Lord and Master, Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. For Satan and the unbelievers who join themselves to the devil by rejecting Christ, it is a day of woe and of anguish. However, for Christ's bride, the church, it is the day of her vindication and ultimate joy. For all those who trust in Christ Jesus, it is truly a happily ever after moment. But unlike the fairy tales, this one is true. It is real. And it is eternal. So, what happens until that great day arrives? Well, the church, the bride of Christ, continues to wait in certain hope. Our Lord has not abandoned us nor forsaken us. He has given us the Holy Spirit and he continues to be present with us in his blessed word and sacraments. As a faithful bride, the church waits for the return of her Lord and King, ever gathering around and receiving the gifts which enliven her, which strengthen her and cleanse her from sin. In the word of Yahweh, the church hears the words of eternal life. In the word of Yahweh, joined to water in baptism, the church is cleansed and joined to Christ's death and resurrection, overcoming death with him. In baptism, Christ clothed you, his saints, with his righteousness, as with fine linen, bright and pure. So also, when the word of Yahweh is joined to bread and wine and holy communion, Christ Jesus feeds, forgives, and strengthens his bride with a foretaste of the heavenly banquet to come. In his holy supper, dear saints, Christ gives comfort, and he gives consolation, and he gives them to you, his repentant people. By these gifts, Christ Jesus provides for and protects his bride until the day he returns in glory. But just what does she do? What does the bride of Christ do in the meantime when she's not being served by Christ and his ordained servants in the house of God? Is the church idle? Does she just twiddle her thumbs while she waits for Jesus to show up on his white steed and save the day? Not at all. Until his return, the church is diligently loving and serving the neighbor in this world. Through you, as through means, God serves those around you. Each and every godly vocation is a way in which people are blessed and served by God and are given occasion to serve one another and thus glorify God when they see your good works. If this is all still too abstract, look to the table of duties in the small catechism. And that brief list is laid out the God-given duties and expectations of pastors and their hearers, government officials and citizens, husbands and wives, parents and children, employers and workers of all kinds, youth 
widows, and finally, all Christians. You see, it is one thing to urge Christians to love one another. This command is good enough on its own because it comes from God. <coughs> Nevertheless, it is helpful to know how love is shaped and how it is influenced by your vocation, your different stations in life. For instance, a husband loves his wife and children by providing for them, protecting them, teaching them God's word and bringing them to the divine service. A child loves his or her parents by listening and obeying their instructions without complaint and seeking ways to honor and serve mother and father. An employer loves and serves his employees by offering good, honest pay, safe working conditions, and all that they may need to perform their jobs at their best. An employee loves and serves his employer by showing up on time, by not grumbling against him, working diligently, and then serving the customer with kindness and respect. Christians love and serve the neighbor in these vocations and in so many, many more. Ultimately, Christians love God by coming to worship, confessing their sins, and receiving from Jesus all he won in his crucifixion and resurrection. And so the daily and weekly pattern is then set. Each day, Christians rise from sleep remembering their baptism and their baptism, or remembering their baptism into Christ and striving with the Holy Spirit's help to love and to serve the neighbor in their various callings. When the neighbor is served, all glory is given to God. We are but lowly servants, right? When we sin, we confess our transgressions and we rest in the mercy of God in Christ, asking God's help to do better. Then on the Lord's day, the church comes to the Lord's house in thankful praise, with repentant hearts, seeking that which only Christ Jesus can give to us, the forgiveness of our sins, eternal life, salvation from death and hell. In his mercy, Christ Jesus gives all this and more, for in him we have received grace upon grace. Through his church, Christ blesses the world. By the power of the Spirit, the church's faithful confession leads many to Jesus Christ and the salvation he freely gives. It's a simple thing, but that's what the Holy Christian Church is called to do. To cling to Christ, her bridegroom, in faith and trust until the day of his return, receiving his gift, gifts with repentant and thankful hearts. Despite the harassment of the devil, the hatred of this sinful world, and the treacherous nature of our own sinful flesh, by the Spirit we hold on to Jesus. We hold on to his gifts and his promises. The devil cannot snatch away Christ's elect. And despite the ever-gathering darkness, we have the promise of Christ's return and his kingly proclamation that he has overcome the world. Soon, dear church, a light will shine in the east and the heavens will be opened. We will see Jesus, the rider on the white horse the King of kings and Lord of lords, descending from the heavens in glory and in might, he will come to save us. He will come with his light and his salvation, and the wait will be over. On that day, we will lift up our heads and rejoice as our crucified and risen Lord delivers us from our enemies once and for all. Then we shall enter into the promised peace and joy of paradise forever. And they lived joyfully ever after. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, we implore you to hear our prayers and to lighten the darkness of our hearts by your gracious visitation. 
For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, again, good evening and welcome. This is due to the way that the uh, church calendar is laid out this year and the days that we have available in December. This is our last midweek service for the year. Typically, you would have uh, four Sundays in Advent and then most times anyway, uh, four midweek services, but we do get cut short a little bit this year uh, as we have uh, Christmas Eve sharing the same day as Advent 4. So it'll be Advent 4 in the morning, and then uh, by the time we come in the evening, it'll be Christmas Eve, and everything will be changed over to white as we begin the celebration of the Nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God's blessings to you in these waning days of Advent as we look forward to that great celebration. We do hope as you're able to uh, uh, see you here, or uh, if you're visiting us from Carrollton, go to church there. <laughs> and God's blessings on your uh, worship and uh, celebration of the Lord's birth. I'll greet you at the door.